Welcome to Through the Glass Recovery Podcast, where we believe that connection is the opposite of addiction, vulnerability is the antidote to shame, and that recovery isn't just rewarding, it's also a lot of fun. We're your hosts, Steve and Julie. Listen as we get together with friends to shed light on the hard things, talk about the other side of addiction, and how we create a life so full, there's no space left for alcohol. In this episode, we talk with our friends, Mary, Michael, and Dengue, about how our standards have changed in recovery. When we stop drinking and start doing the work of sobriety, getting to know and love ourselves, we start honoring our own feelings and needs, sometimes for the first time. Sometimes things that used to be okay aren't anymore. Sometimes the bar gets raised, as it should. Before we get into the discussion, we just want to remind you that every time you hit like, or especially subscribe or follow, it lets the podcast platforms know that you think we've shared valuable content here, and other people that might benefit from our podcast will be more likely to see it. So let's check out the conversation. So we're here today with Dengue, Mary, and Michael. Thank you guys so much for being on the show with us. Thank you, Thank you for having us. So how have your standards changed in sobriety? And what are you no longer willing to settle for? You, you want to go, Dengue? Go for it. No, no you go. You go first. <laughs> you know, I, I love I love the question. I actually had to reflect on it a little bit because you don't necessarily think about the changes that that come naturally with sobriety, right? So there's things like, and this is this is probably a little further down the road, but healthier eating and healthier habits, like these things start to click in tandem with it when you realize that you're like not poisoning your body anymore. And and that's literally what you were doing for years. So that's that's been a piece for me. I think just overall getting healthier, particularly where mental health is concerned, you know, being much more open to therapy, counseling, learning who I am uh, underneath all that, recognizing that I did not develop uh, good emotional coping skills or a whole lot of how to deal with those because I, I started drinking really young. I started drinking in my teens. And so any of that emotional development that should have happened during those years didn't. I just, my only coping mechanism was drinking it away and numbing it out. And so I get into my thirties and my forties and <clears throat> don't know how to deal with uncomfortable emotions. And so that's, that's a big area of focus for me right now is how to, how to develop better coping mechanisms where those uncomfortable emotions are concerned. It's almost like you're finally yeah. worth it to realize you're finally worth it and you are putting more effort into the eating and into the taking care of yourself and into the growing. And yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, I think for, for me, one thing also stands out is the fact that you know, we all go on, we start this journey of not realizing like all these unexpected things that are going to start popping up in your life. Good things. But they are unexpected because you, you you have no idea, you know, the doors priority opens up for you. Like, yes, taking care of yourself is, is one of the things. Like, I'd have never thought, hey, you know, this is really important to me, like, to start taking care of myself. 
you know, and then boundaries, for example, like all of a sudden, like I've never thought of my person as, you know, someone who has to set boundaries, but I have become a person who set boundaries and I don't want, you know, I set boundaries and, and I set expectations for, for myself and for others. And that's something I never used to do. And so that is setting those expectations for, for family members and letting them know what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. Same thing with that work is something that I value these days and, and it's, it's, a, it's a priority for me. So I love that you set, touched on expectations because that's, uh, that's been a hard one for me. And I, I have drowned myself at work over the last couple of years without setting that expectation for them. I have worked myself into the ground and worked extra hours. And I was always a person who preached work-life balance. I still preach it to our new hires and my team, but I don't take that advice for myself, you know, until it got to like breakdown point um, where I had Mm -hmm. to time off and I had to confront my boss on it because I just couldn't continue to function like that. So that's, that's a wonderful. I think just relationships in general, when it's like relationships with work, relationships with people, you talk about family members, you talk about a spouse. I mean, the relationships, sometimes when I do talk about this, I, I say the, the price of admission has increased. As in, before I accepted anything. I accepted any. I accepted being walked on. It was basically whatever I got for attention. I guess it was good because I got something, because that was kind of good enough, and I never felt good enough. So I guess it was. I got some sort of attention, even if it was negative attention. And I've come to realize that none of that is healthy. And without setting the boundaries, and without here's what I need, and find. I mean, figuring out. I have to figure I had to figure that out too and I'm still figuring it out. It's growth. But you're not allowed to spend my time the way you used to. You're not allowed to determine that my time is more or less valuable than yours. We are equals now. Before I never, you know, looked at everyone as equals. It was like, you know, you're up here so your time is more valuable everyone's time was more valuable than mine let's be honest time is an amazing currency when you look at it all of our time is just as valuable and i never treated it that way before and so i get to treat my time with respect now and that has allowed me to treat your time with that same respect and once I realized that, boundaries come into play, everything kind of plays into and around that. And that's, that's how I like to look at these are like kind of what Dengue said. These are my expectations. You're okay. It's okay if you don't meet them. This is the boundary though. And this is what happens if that doesn't happen. You don't get to treat me like a doormat anymore. Absolutely. We all end yeah. up gaining self-worth. When you quit drinking and you start taking care of yourself, and I think that's something that I see in so many people when they quit drinking and they they start doing all of the work of sobriety, self-worth is one of the first things that increases. 
so many of us had virtually no self-worth while we were just drinking away our lives. And for me, like I value my time finally for the first time, maybe ever. And can look at, and this goes kind of along with boundaries too. I can look at situations. I can look at relationships. I can look at obligations that I've chosen to take on or not. And it's easy to say now, does this deserve my time and energy? And I can look at it from a really healthy place now. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to spend time with people just to try to feel good about myself. I don't need anybody's validation anymore. I can decide if my time and energy actually needs to be spent somewhere. Um, And I can make much healthier decisions, I think, based on that. And then with boundaries too, I used to occasionally, vaguely try to set boundaries. I was never good at it. But I was so, if somebody completely ignored it and walked right across that boundary, I'd just let them. Like I had, there was no way I was going to try to stand up for myself. And now I'm just no longer willing to let people ignore boundaries that I set. I'm going to stand up for myself. And that's, that's definitely new for me. I really relate to what you're saying there, Julie, because I've, I've always been kind of like a confrontational person. Like I, I thought I was good at setting boundaries, but I was never good at actually enforcing them. And it's the same thing if somebody actually like went and challenged one of my boundaries, I would just, you know, roll over and let them do it. And that's something I'm really trying to practice at work a lot because I feel like I tend to take on way too much and I end up with like an unmanageable amount of stress. And so I'm starting to boundaries of like, this is what I can do. And, you know, this is what I can do in a certain amount of time. And, you know, I can only do one thing at a time. That's not something I ever said in my life before when I was drinking, but that's like my new motto. I say that all the time is I can only do one thing. And yeah, like actually asking people to respect that, the fact that I can't be juggling a million things at once. And it's amazing actually seeing once you set that standard and you adhere to it, that people start respecting it. Definitely. <clears throat> I, I This is kind of a squirrel, which is like an offshoot. But the time thing, it made me think about when you're really in early recovery and you're just starting how uncomfortable that extra time can be, you know, Mm -hmm. because you you come to value it over, over time. But in the beginning, like a weekend was daunting. It was scary. You had no idea what to do with that time because we're used to spending it drinking. I think it's interesting to even note the shift in getting that that growth and that you know that as we start to heal as people that that time becomes valuable again yeah i mean i i'm I'm agreeing with with everything that everyone is saying i think the the thing about time and when i used to drink i think it just helped me do a lot of things that i didn't want to do that's one thing i realized is that it pushed me and helped me to get through situations that I didn't necessarily want to be in. And now I've realized, hey, you know, I was forcing myself to be in these situations that I didn't want to be in. So why bother being in them anymore? You know, it's just like now I'm just, again, setting those boundaries and be like, no, I I don't want to do that. I don't want to spend my entire weekend just doing things I don't necessarily want to do. And I, you know, 
wasting my time so much more now. There's always these things, oh, we got to do this, we got to do that, we got to do this. No, I don't, and we don't have to do anything. That sometimes comes as a shot to some people, but I think it's all for the better that we, you know, as long as you're happy with the decisions that you're making and you're happy and content with the time you with what you're doing with your time then i think other people have just got to learn to to settle with that i think that's something too that we teach people how to treat us and if we've been teaching the people around us to walk all over us for the last 10 or 15 years and then suddenly we're like hey here's a boundary they're going to completely ignore it and walk right over it and i know so often we're like but I just set a boundary (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it takes a while to teach all of these people, like to reteach them how we're going to be treated. Now it takes a lot of patience, I think from us too. Um, And that's with, with kids and spouses and friends and everybody they're used to us being a certain way. And so it comes as a huge shock when you suddenly like, no, I'm not going to spend my weekend doing whatever it is you want to do. And then you stand by it. It gets hard for them. Um, And I think sometimes we just have to be patient and remind ourselves that they're not used to this. And it takes effort on our part, too, to teach them what life is going to be like now. For sure. We used to reward them. We used to reward them for overstepping our boundaries. We we go and we we say, this is what I don't want to do. And then 10 minutes later, you're go ahead and doing it. Right. It's like, so here's the reward for saying, no, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) I just gave you exactly what you wanted. And like, and we sit here and we're like, oh crap, I just did what I didn't want to do. I don't know. I, for me, like I say time, but everyone has value. So if I treat you with respect and you don't treat me with respect, then we have a problem. And it's up to me to communicate that to you. If I don't communicate that to you, this is where it gets difficult. If I don't communicate that to you, then I'm saying that that's all right, because I'm, I'm allowing it. And that's hard. I mean, so I'm still not good at doing, doing that. It's like, oh my God, here comes another hard conversation. I am just gonna let that one go. Because I don't want to have that hard conversation, whether it's with uh, work, because that's a hard conversation, whether it's in a relationship, even when, even when it's with your kids, geez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's so. I think I have forever seen other people as having more value than me. I always place other people's feelings above my own. And I'm just starting to realize that we're equal. And so I was always really bad at communicating anything, communicating my needs or communicating how I was feeling in a situation because I didn't want to make someone else feel bad or make someone else feel uncomfortable. And now I'm realizing I'm kind of obligated to myself to start communicating those things. It's not easy. It's really, really hard for me because I don't want to make anybody else feel bad, but it's an absolute necessity. And so I guess my standards of communication 
are changing. I'm no longer willing to just sit back. I'm almost forcing myself to speak up for myself now. And I never would have done that before. I'm noticing this recurring trend with a lot of us in this community of being people pleasers. Mm-hmm. And we have a really hard time, myself included, with mm-hmm. the thought of anything that I do making someone else uncomfortable, be it mm-hmm. hurting their emotions, be it inconveniencing them, be it, you know, making them do something that I would otherwise do for them. So many of us, Terry, you know, we I hear this story over and over again. And it, I think it goes back to exactly what you're saying is we did not have boundaries or, you know, we, we uh, let people walk all over them. And you're just, you're just not aware of those things. I think when you're drunk, you know, it's just, it's just not something that even crosses your radar as wrong. Uh, And becoming aware of these things is, yeah, it's, it's a journey. It's a process. It's, it's hard. It's definitely hard. Yeah. And I think it's, it's about like, your happiness as well like i think we always put other people's happiness above ours and and one thing i've come to realize these days is that i don't want to like keep being on the parenting thing but like i'm a parent i'm not a martyr right like there's there's certain like limits to to what i'm willing to do and i and i still think it's a lot i'm, I'm willing to do quite a bit but i'm there's certain things that i think just certain expectations that uh, you know, these days, I don't necessarily feel like I need to be doing. And I think I need to just be content with that. The other thing that's based on on, on what we were talking about early, earlier about, like, you know, how have your standards changed? I think for me, like, honesty and truth has become such an important thing for me. And I think when I was drinking, like, it just disguised or masked the truth about a bunch of things. And I find myself thinking about a lot of things and just wanting like basic honesty and truth, regardless of if it hurts me or if it hurts others, like, but just speaking the truth. And I think to what you were saying, Judy, is like communicating the truth and say if someone has hurt me is like, I'm over communicating now, you know, as opposed to just like shrugging it off or drowning it in in some booze it's like now i'm over communicating and even certain things where like i'm saying no i think what you just said hurt me you know and i'm I'm doing that a lot more and just getting it off my chest because i realized like so much stuff was buried so much stuff was buried i just kept you know kept kept internal and, and that really just obviously made my drinking worse because I just continue drowning, drowning my sorrows. I think, you know, the light bulb comes on and you realize that I realize that I'm not emotionally responsible for anyone else but myself. I'm not emotionally responsible for you. I'm not responsible for how or when you communicate how you feel to me. I'm responsible for communicating how I feel to you. And if you can't communicate that to me, there's nothing I can do about it. It's not up to me to guess how you feel or how you're going to feel. If I'm concerned, then I can ask. And I think that's my responsibility. You know, if I'm telling myself a story 
that I think this is how you feel. Uh, it's up to me to just ask you, Michael, right now I'm uncomfortable because this is what I'm thinking. I'm allowed to say that. Sure. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to ask that. It's not easy to ask, but I'm allowed to ask that. It clears the air. It opens up the conversation. Right? So I'm more, I'm, I'm, my standard is I am uh, emotionally responsible for myself. Not I'm only not, are you allowed to ask that, Steve, you're in a lot of ways, you're obligated to ask that of other people, because I think, you know, in so many ways, like we're talking about like the self-care end of this, but it's also, it improves your relationship so much when you're having that kind of communication and you can't expect the people in your life to read your mind or anything like that. And we, you know, we've gone through so many years of just kind of being pushovers and just being like, I'm fine. That's fine. Everything's okay. Um, and when you start communicating that to other people, I think it takes a lot of anxiety and stress away from them because they actually know how to behave around you because they know how it's affecting you. It goes right to what Dengue was saying about I'm hurt. Now I have to say something. In general, mm -hmm. I think my standards for friendships and relationships mm -hmm. yep. have gotten so much higher. There's so many people that are my friends just because they've always been my friends. Mm. And in spending time with people like like the people that we have in, in recovery groups, we talk about real stuff. And we talk about deep stuff and we are like willing to be vulnerable and honest. And that's where really amazing connections come from. I'm looking at some mm -hmm. of these friends I've been friends with for 15 years. And all of our conversations are just surface conversations. There's not one bit of vulnerability or, or real anything in them. And now I feel like we're just talking to fill up the silence and the value of those friendships seems to be going down. I'm valuing the friendships where there is a good bit of shared like mutual vulnerability and willingness to connect on a deeper level. Um, and that seems to be where I feel like my time and energy belongs these days. I love that. I was, I was actually thinking earlier about, you know, the barfly friends and the fair weather friends that just kind of started to disappear as as I went on this path. It wasn't even really a conscious effort. I mean, a lot of those people I just didn't see anymore. I stopped hanging out at the same places, you know. But but even some of those those less less authentic friendships, the ones that only reach out for help, uh, you know, things like that naturally start to fade apart, fade away. But I think you're right. You know, we we do become a little bit more aware of the value of the ones that we do have, and and you know what what relationships are important for me to foster, and and I think. For my most important relationships, it comes relatively naturally that I can have these in-depth conversations, that I can be vulnerable, that I can feel heard and in turn hear back. It's generally a sign to me that that is one of those healthy relationships that I should probably work to preserve. The ones that aren't flowing comfortably are probably the ones that need a little bit more of my attention, figure out what's going on and why clearly this level of connection is, is possible. 
<laughs> I've mm-hmm. never experienced this level. I don't think ever in my life have I experienced the kind of connection that I have experienced here. Never had conversations the way that I have had here where we're just so completely open and honest. So I guess maybe that's new for me. Like even some of my closest relationships, there's virtually no vulnerability. There's no, I get you. I wanted, you touched on authenticity and authentic relationships. And there's so much to be said for that. I think too, I'm becoming somebody, I'm becoming myself instead of the person everybody wants me to be. So that plays into it too. But um, yeah, my standards for friendship are completely different now than they were a year ago. I've got something really interesting coming up because I used to play dodgeball and on Monday nights and we were speaking of friendships, all of these people, I mean, I've got a fake front tooth here, a calf here and a root canal here because playing dodgeball, I dove to catch a ball and I went down smiling and I lost three teeth. I was oh. drunk. I was drunk. I didn't even rip a lip or anything, but I was drunk, really drunk, playing dodgeball. That happened. This is the same team. So I continued playing. I was I was that guy who lost his teeth playing dodgeball. Nobody knew. I, I mean, I, nobody knew. I never told anybody I was drunk. One of the guys on the dodgeball team is also an alcoholic. He's sober probably a year-ish, year and a half longer than me. Maybe two years. So, I don't know, somewhere in that range. But anyways, he quit before I did. I left the dodgeball team because I wanted to play golf. I ended up drinking a whole bunch when I golfed because I created my own league. Anyways, there's like eight people. This, this team used to be like family. You want to talk about friendships. I then found the courage and I wrote a little post in our dodgeball Facebook group and let everyone know that I'm an alcoholic. And I think it was just after I passed my year and they asked me this summer if I would play. It took a lot of thinking and a lot of figuring out, okay, I know what these relationships now were like back then, back when I was drinking, back when I didn't really have boundaries, back when, you know, things are really different now, mm-hmm. at least for me. And I'm going to go back to those same people this coming Monday. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that experience is because I haven't really hung out with these people in like three or four years. I mean, there's, there's a lot of blur back there. But like three or four, four years, I haven't hung out with these people, seen them at all, including the guy that's sober who was there on my one year. On Zoom, he, 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 I, I asked him to do one of the readings. But I'm going to see all of these people again, and it's going to be really neat. But it's also going to be different because I have a different set of expectations on how I'm going to act. And everything else around that, like I'm going to feel some social anxiety for sure. <clears throat> Just because... I have these this set of standards on how my relationships are going to be, and I'm going to have to figure that out with a whole bunch of group of people in a really short period of time, and I'm going to put pressure on myself because that's what I do, and I'm going to want to try and figure it out as soon as I can, and I know I'm not, and what's going to end up happening is by the time I get there and I say hi to everybody and I get hugs and 
talk a little bit and say everything and I'm going to start playing dodgeball and it's going to feel normal. And I mean, this is probably what's going to happen. And then we'll, we'll shoot shit a little bit afterwards and probably hop on a meeting. That's probably what's going to happen, but it's going to be really neat because I'm starting to venture. This is after a year and a half. I'm starting to venture out into the 3d world because I've practiced enough in this 2d world with you guys. Mm-hmm. that these pieces and the courage and and the even if it's not going to go right you know, or even if it doesn't go right I know I have a place to come back to it's an exercise in authenticity mm-hmm. which is terrifying like we're all just learning how to be our authentic selves but once you start figuring out who you really are which I think for most of us in recovery it's one of the first things we start looking at is who are we even like we've lost ourselves. We have to completely refine ourselves. And so we start practicing authenticity, but it can be really scary to take that out into the world. And especially out into the world where it's people that knew you before. And suddenly you're a completely different person with a completely mm-hmm. different set of standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've had two pretty big events last night and the night before actually some industry events and usually in years past i have taken the day off purposely the day after knowing that my plan is to get completely hammered and it was surreal going to these two events the first the first one i had a bit of difficulty just going into like a big ballroom with people just standing around with drinks in their hand but last night, you know, I, it, it was easier and I enjoyed it. And I made a point of making sure that I spoke to, to, to a bunch of people. And I left at 9.30 sober and was able to wake up nicely this morning. And these are events, again, that I had to take the day off or knew that I was going to have to take the day off after. And it's just so refreshing to, to be able to wake up and remember what you did remember who you spoke to and I was able to work today. So it's just, you know, and these are the kind of joys that, you know, that that you find when, when you stop drinking. It's awesome. Steve, I love what you said about practicing in this world before you go back to that sort of environment, because that's been very much my experience too. And my, in my earlier recovery days, I was around AA a lot. And I would go to dances, sober dances with them. And those Mm. were super uncomfortable at first because God knows I'd never been on a dance floor in my life without being wasted, right? It had not happened. And so that it was a skill. It was a skill I had to learn to be around people and act my authentic self and have fun and socialize without drinking it it was it was absolutely something that took practice so i mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that's a great point i think too our standards of behavior change right <laughs> oh, <laughs> what, yeah. used, what used to be acceptable on a dance floor or in a ballroom or any virtually anywhere <laughs> is just no longer acceptable and we know that and we know that we're going to wake up in the morning and have held by those standards and not have Mm -hmm. a thousand things to regret or, or wonder about when we wake up. Some really nice standards to have changed. Huge. 
So on that note, Dengue, Mary, Michael, we want to thank you guys for being here with us tonight. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, and hopefully we'll we'll get to see you guys again on here soon. Yeah, it was awesome having you guys on. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time tonight. Really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. It's it's always wonderful to have these these conversations and stay plugged in and and uh, get to know each other just a little bit better. Thanks for hosting, Steve and Julie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks for driving the it's bus. A great service that you do. Thanks, guys. We'll see you guys again. We'd also like to thank our listeners for sharing this space with us. Remember to subscribe or follow to keep getting new content. And if you have any comments or topic suggestions, you can email us at throughtheglassrecovery at gmail.com. We'll see you next time as we continue to explore life on the other side of alcohol.